Everybody, welcome to Save Your Sorry, the podcast where we talk about the rise and fall of our favorite or rather least favorite celebrities. I'm your host, Katrina Rochelle, here with my co-host and best friend, Jose Angel. Hello. Hello, hello. And today, on this day of all days, we have a special guest. Someone, if you're listening to the podcast, you're very familiar with. She writes a media and she is my lovely sister, Trisha. Hi, everybody. Thanks for inviting me here again. Again, yes. If you are familiar with the podcast, she did guest star on our lovely Cat Williams episode. Which did really well in Atlanta for some reason. (laughs) Where Cat Williams is known to reside. (laughs) Hopefully it reached him. Hey, hopefully. Yeah. Oh, maybe he was the one listening. Yeah. He pumped it, pumped up the listens. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with all those extra people in his house. They all listen. <laughs> <laughs> you sure enough do. It is another Jose episode where he will be giving a celebrity to talk to, but Katrina has a little insert about last week's episode. Our Haley and Selena drama. When Jose had brought this case to my plate, I was unfamiliar. I, I chose my side as Selena, but I went down a rabbit hole via TikTok and YouTube. And let me tell you now, it is solidified. Haley Bieber must be stopped. That bitch is crazy. <laughs> I don't know what is wrong with her. And, and and Kylie is terrible as well. But we already knew that. Yeah, we knew that one. I, I was so unsure about what you, like, I knew Selena was in the right, but I was unsure on some of the evidence you were bringing. It is solidified. That bitch is crazy. Nuh-uh. You know what I think? I'm even going so far down. I'm thinking because Justin volleyballed between them so much, Haley Beaver gave him an ultimatum and said, motherfucker, you got to marry me now. And that's the only reason why they're married. Because it don't make Ooh. sense. The mirroring, the talking, the post, nope. Can't, mm-mm. Do you want to elaborate more on like what you saw? So you have the whole situation with, she was a fan of Justin and Selena. And then you saw the tides turn in the post with her liking anti-Selena posts and not liking her. And then you go to the, the interviews that are slightly mirror Selena's words after she said things. And the post on TikTok and um, Twitter and Instagram during the moments when Selena and Justin will rekindle their relationship after Justin and Haley would deny being in a relationship, the flip-flop era. And it's just like, it, it, it definitely looks like she stalked Justin to be her man. And then when she was the side chick, she just made sure to double down on everything anti-Selena and even got her friends to join in. Even that whole little New Year's Eve trip. I wasn't sure about that, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm, that that makes total sense. Even though that is so elaborate, it's I'm going to get so my friends to be your friends. <laughs> oh, so weird. But yeah, I, I believe that Haley is trash and Selena is just trying to move on from all these motherfuckers and so she don't want to say anything bad did you see Haley has the same tattoo as selena see this is one thing i didn't see (laughs) is that really true yeah (laughs) selena has a g a lowercase g behind her ear for her sister gracie or something and Haley bieber has the same tattoo and it's like what's the g stand for (sighs) this fucking grifter And Selena had a raid when she was with Justin. It had a J and a diamond. And Haley Bieber has a tattoo, and it looks exactly like that ring. This is embarrassing, girl. Stand up. (laughs) (laughs) But that's all. That's all I wanted to say. I I really was upset that I was not more 
of a hater, honestly. Yeah, I'll say I'm team Haley. <laughs> he says he's team Haley. That's why you always do shit like that. <laughs> the audacity. <laughs> she said, Haley sucks. Haley sucks. Haley sucks. And, and the thing oh, is, well, I don't want to be that person, Jose, but I mean, if you're honestly team Haley, get, you've lost your card. No. I <laughs> Give me the card. <laughs> That's, of course, I have to stick with Selena Gomez. <laughs> but, you know, that's my little two cents. We uh, we can move on to our actual subject of this episode. Perfect. So today we are doing something different. <laughs> Since we are always growing and trying things out, today we'll be talking about someone who became so infamous and hated for a scandal that it made them sort of celebrity in their own way. Think people like Nadia Solomon, the Octomom, Monica Lewinsky. John and Lorraine about it. Tan mom. Ooh, tan mom. Blast from the past. I forgot about her. Mm-hmm. While we won't be focusing on them today, we will be talking about Rachel Dolezal. <laughs> I know Katrina, you're familiar with her, but what about you, Trisha? Does that name ring a bell? I have never heard of that person ever. That's hilarious. <laughs> you have, but you just can't remember right now. Okay, because I the name, I don't know anything about that name. Ooh, okay. Let's dive into it. What if you I don't d- know? This will be a roller coaster either way. Well, I, I give it away at the beginning. Oh. I got most of my information from Rachel's book in full color. So why we are digesting the story, I don't know what to tell you, believe it or not, but it's a lot comes from her. Okay. So you're telling us from Rachel's perspective. Yeah, I'll go in where people like disagree with her sp- perspective, but it's mostly hers. And when I disagree from her perspective. <laughs> I also got it from the New Yorker, BuzzFeed, and a YouTuber named Cindy Black. So, Rachel Dolezal came to national attention when a news reporter named Jeff Humphrey asked her about a man in a photo. He asked her, is that your dad? She replies, yeah, that's my dad. He continues with, this man right here is your father. Right here. He asked, pointing at the photo of an African-American man. Rachel asked, you have a question about that? And he says... Yes, ma'am. I was wondering if your dad really is an African-American man. Rachel responds with, that's a very, I mean, I don't, I don't know what you're implying. And he gets her with the hard hitting question of, are you African-American? This stumps Rachel. She replies with, I don't, I don't understand the question of, I did tell you that. (laughs) Yes, that's my dad. And he was unable to come in January. Jeff asks, are your parents, are they white? And Rachel walks off. Jeff had gotten a tip from a private investigator that Rachel really wasn't African-American, but instead a white woman with the wrong sheet of foundation and a curly wig. Everyone, besides Trisha, I guess, saw that clip and knows that Rachel lied about her race. But how did we get there? Why was Rachel even being interviewed? Why was there a private investigator to begin with? Who's the man in the photo? Mm-hmm. Okay, so as you were explaining that, her face popped into (laughs) my brain. I'm like, of course, just no, Rachel. This is the lady with the, like, the red wig in the bronze face. Yes. But I don't remember, I don't remember this video, but her face was everywhere. I do remember her. Okay. I don't know the name, but yes, her face popped into my brain when you were explaining that. I think that little clip went viral so fast everyone was talking about it yes. so it was like very hard to escape it was so uncomfortably cringe it took me a minute to watch that bitch <laughs> i remember 
watching the video the first time, like on mute or something, because I hate watching videos with sound when I don't know what they're about. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, why is this such a hard question? But did you guys ever think she was black? Like, just by looking at her? No. No, I didn't think that she was black. I thought maybe she might be mixed with something. I didn't think she was full white, but I didn't think like, oh yeah, that's that's a black woman right there. That looks like my mama. <laughs> yeah, well, I, yes, I, I tend to agree. I, I don't know, honestly. The thing is, is that when the mask is uncovered, you you see what you see so i feel like i was like damn they let this bitch get far <laughs> that's, that's kind of how i saw it like oh they must have really believed it so to find out the answers we have to go back to november 12 1977 when rachel was born to larry and ruthann not on my mama's birth year <laughs> <laughs> so rachel is a scorpio but please let's try not to hold that too much against her. That is so terrible. <laughs> Rachel was a Scorpio. That is so terrible. Why? Mm. And we our numbers weren't as big as the Capricorns. I feel like a Capricorn would. You gotta taste that L. Don't bring that to the Capricorns. Jeez. Yeah, the Capricorns are more predators. Oh, okay. oh yeah, right. Okay. Thank you so much, but oh, it seems no. like the Scorpios will lie to you too. <laughs> First of all, I feel attacked. Jesus. So Rachel has an older brother named Joshua who's two years older than her. And Ruthann and Larry were very religious as Pentecostal homesteaders. I don't know anything about that religion. So <laughs> anything I bring up is just how they practice. I'm not talking about all Pentecostals out there. Mm -hmm. But because of their religion, they favored Joshua because he was a boy and his birth was easy. Well, Rachel had a very, her mom had a very difficult birth delivering her mm -hmm. and Rachel claims they would bring this up all the time as a way to say like she's a sinner also with their religion they saw it as Adam and Eve didn't have a doctor or midwife so they didn't either with Larry delivering the babies are they saying because of the difficult labor she was like a, a sinner child is that what they said yeah like wow <laughs> yeah they marked that bitch. <laughs> they usually say like the opposite, like you're you're a miracle baby. That's what you should think. Like if this, if uh, I almost lost this baby, I should treasure it more, honestly. Right. But they'd said, be like, no, nah, bitch, bring her down. <laughs> it's a demon job. And that's pretty much how they talked to her, yeah. Oh, On the birth certificate, it asked if there was a witness at birth and they put Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow. They um they were allowed to turn that in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we can't really I'm already on her side. We cannot blame her for nothing. Okay. <laughs> because really the witness to your birth is Jesus. He's there for all of us. <laughs> Rachel claims that the family lived in a teepee for a few years and it says it's disputed when their house was built, but they lived in a teepee for a short time period. At 18 months old, they were living in the house and an unsupervised Rachel fell down the stairs, breaking her collarbone and several vertebrae. Jeez, just stayed and on the level ground. <laughs> Rachel claims Larry and Ruthann did not take her to the hospital, but prayed over her and took her to what they called a natural doctor, who also just prayed over her. <laughs> okay, maybe I also am on her side a little bit. 
parents like this, wouldn't you want to be? Wouldn't you want to be black like me? <laughs> Not I'm broken, like literally in several critical places. I You just want to pray over me. Yeah. But also, this is from Rachel's point of view, so who knows? Yeah, that was going to be my next comment. Like, is this from an article or from her book? Because... She's known to lie, and she might. When when you said they lived in a teepee, I'm like, okay, she's kind of laying it on thick for the sympathy side. If this is what she's telling us, okay, the family does dispute the teepee story, but in Rachel's book, there is a photo of her brother standing next to a big teepee. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a family of liars. So, okay. Yes. <laughs> no, no one in the store you can really trust. Oh, wow. All right. So, growing up, she had severe neck pain, and when she would complain, they would say that was God's way of punishing her for being stiff necked, <laughs> which is the Bible's way of saying hard headed. Okay, Jesus. <laughs> Literally, that's what Rachel says. <laughs> okay, Jesus. <laughs> Calm down. The family does a lot of living off the land. They live in a mountain of Montana and they hunt their own food or grow it. And as soon as they are able to, they put their kids to work on the land. And Rachel claims she loved to be in the garden. For one, it was a job she could do away from the family. And she never really felt like she fit in with them. And while they she made was sure. <laughs> God damn, put her out everywhere. Well, I like that job. I mean, Imagine having to hunt. I don't want to be chased by no wild animals. I will plant these flowers. <laughs> and besides planting flowers, Rachel would use the hose to get the ground all muddy and then rub it on her skin like lotion and pretend to be a dark-skinned princess in the Sahara Desert or a Bantu woman living in the Congo. Okay. <laughs> okay. Where where's she getting these um references? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Rachel's family did not own a TV. They only would rent one to watch an anti-abortion film called The Silent Stream once a year and to watch baseball. Where she lived, it was all white people. She wouldn't meet a black person until she was like 10. So the way she kind of learned about black people was her paternal grandparents would give her National Geographic and Sports Illustrated magazines and uh. she says she just became so connected to the black women thinking they look beautiful. When she would draw herself she would draw herself with a brown crayon and not a peach one because that's how she felt but she didn't really know why. Okay. White people being peach colored is hilarious. <laughs> what else? <laughs> what if we're a random person sees Rachel in the mud, like, you're doing blackface. Get that little girl out of here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is um, an interesting-ass childhood. As she gets older and goes to school, she doesn't fit in there either. She claims schoolmates thought she was weird for being so religious. And she just doesn't fit in anywhere. She doesn't fit in at school or at home. She tells this story in her book at age seven, where the only processed food they could have that was from the store was cereal. So her and her brother love cereal. But one time her mom makes oatmeal and it has raisins in it. And this just grosses her out. And she's trying to eat it, but she just finds it disgusting. Her father is telling her she's got to eat it before the bus comes or she will miss the bus and have to walk the two and a half mile walk to school. <laughs> Bitch, I'm skipping. <laughs> <laughs> so she's trying 
but it just won't go down. And then she gets up to go vomit. And when she comes back, he's like, leave that table again and you're getting spanked, which is how they usually handle discipline. Three spanks on the bare bottom with a paddle, sometimes more for bigger offenses. And Rachel's trying to get it down, but she can't and ends up vomiting into the bowl. No, please don't say nothing next. <laughs> Larry tells her she still has to eat it. Oh. And, oh, no. and she's afraid if she doesn't, she's going to get hit. So she takes two small bites. <gasps> but Ruthann is saying, let her go to school. She can finish it later. Uh, not putting up my throw up oatmeal for later. Yeah. That's... That's too much. I thought this was going somewhere quippy about white people and raisins, honestly. I didn't know we were getting into the heavy, nasty child, child abuse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you. We are on the same wave with hey. <laughs> but yeah, that's nasty as fuck. So Rachel leaves the school, but when she returns, the oatmeal is waiting for her. <gasps> and she says the vomit and oatmeal had congealed and she does have to eat it. Yeah, you don't have to beat my ass. Or I'm going to have to beat yours, Ruth Ann. <laughs> <laughs> Ruth Ann and Larry. And Larry. Larry, get your ass in here, too. Because, yeah, y'all are fucking ridiculous. They hated her so much, it sounds like. God, just because you had to do a few extra pushes, bitch. Around age 10, she's picking berries around the mountain with her family. And they do that to sell them and earn money. And she imagines herself as an indigenous person gathering food for the winter, or that she was a Bantu woman living in the condo picking enough cassava to feed her family. And that's it it keeps coming up that she like has these images in her head of these being black another and brown race. powerful women fantasies. Yeah. And at a time she did believe that she was indigenous. Um but I feel like not so much anymore, but I know a lot of the Caucasian people like to say they have like one sixteenth Cherokee princess or something. Oh yeah, yeah, that used to be the cool thing to be white but have a little bit of something in you nowadays because everybody's just so racist. Everybody wants to be pure. <laughs> <laughs> when she was 12 and her brother Josh was 14, Rachel says that she had a crush on Josh's friend and he tells her his friend wouldn't like her because she doesn't have boobs. And she said she does. And they end up arguing and wrestling. And Josh pulls up her shirt and training bra and sucks on her nipples. Hold, hold up. Wait. Who? No, wait. Yeah, we got hold on. Um, wait. We Are we talking about Josh, her brother, Josh? Her two, her brother that's two years older uh, than her, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, see, when you said... Oh, my friend won't like you because you don't have boobs. I'm thinking are she you was talking to another person. Yeah, I thought I was hoping. I mean, it's all bad. I didn't. I have nothing to say. I'm speechless. Okay, I'm speechless. so he wrestles her to the ground and starts nursing. Oh no, no, please, no. Let's not. Let's so in the book, they start like they're throwing berries at each other in the kitchen, and um, then they start wrestling, and then he pins her arms down and yeah starts yeah jesus rachel life so, it was not easy for her it sounds like it was a war zone and you know if josh is the favorite one what, what the fuck she gonna say to the family Ugh, yeah that's the favorite and it's always a josh that was the duggar's first son's name this yeah. is kind of like duggarish yeah duggar's um, nasty i stand and, on that forever and you they see nasty. where josh is at now 
Mm, <laughs> so she does run to the restroom and she cries in there, but she doesn't tell her parents because she just thinks she'll get in trouble for it. Because <sighs> it's, it's more about growing up, you know, she has to be modest, even though her dad and her brother can walk around shirtless or she said her dad walked around naked too. <sighs> around 15 years old, Rachel begs to do online schooling. She doesn't fit in at school and she thinks they are going to corrupt her since she's still very religious. Her dad agrees to it, but at the same time, her mom and dad are thinking about adopting a kid. Ain't this a bitch, right? <laughs> adopting a kid? That's a slap in the face. And they say they wanted to save the children from the war on the unborn, since they are so against abortion. Oh, and, and just to make it clear, we're not against adoption. We're against <laughs> shitty people adopting. Right? <laughs> they're making us sick, and I was like, "What if they think we were just like, Ugh, adoption? Uh, adoption? Even <laughs> <laughs> children? Ew, no, just not shitty parents making it even more worse." Yeah. And Rachel claims it was so they could claim dependence and not pay taxes for the government, since yeah. they're about to lose Josh as a dependent since he was turning eighteen and graduating high school. Ooh. Well, some people are known to do that, either have other kids or use that foster system like that. Yeah, and they need help, you know, working the land. That is true. They put them bitches out as soon as they can walk. Either way, they look for a baby. Well, turns out white babies take longer and cost more. Yeah. So Ain't they that... go with the quicker and cheaper option, which is a black baby. Ain't that a bitch. So they adopt a mixed baby and renamed him Ezra. Whoa. Ezra's mom. Oh, were you about to say something? No, I was just say Ezra. <laughs> Tainted. <laughs> Ezra's mom was white, but his father was black. Rachel says most of Ezra's care fell to her now that she's doing online schooling. At Ezra's first Christmas, Rachel claimed she noticed things were off with her family. Her maternal grandmother didn't know what to buy for a black baby. She thought maybe he would like a drum. Okay, what the fuck is a child? <laughs> I, I wanted to get him one of those... Uh, black power uh, Afro picks. How, Her old, grandfather, how old is he when he was adopted? He was a baby, like brand spanking new. Yeah, oh, and this wow. is his first Christmas. Oh, and they didn't know what to get because it was black. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm thinking like, <laughs> let's, get, let's get a plane ticket to they Africa. Said, they said a, <laughs> a drum. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Her grandfather cried when he found out Ezra was not white, and Rachel <laughs> says they weren't tears of joy. Ruthann, the mother, would say, well, maybe he's not in fact half black. Maybe he's Jewish, since he's not that dark. Okay. Let's... <laughs> Another baby was adopted soon after Ezra's first birthday, and they renamed him Isaiah, and he was born in 1994. And when Isaiah was about nine months old, they adopted a baby and renamed him Zachariah. Oh no, they are doing too much. How what they yeah, how up they, all these adoptions? They are having a lot of successful adoptions back to back. They that just sounds... go to the baby store and pick them up. <laughs> <laughs> and they were going to be done, but the day they were introduced to Zachariah, they got a call about a baby girl. And they named her Esther. And we know what happened to Esther. She became an orphan and then a killer. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Okay. <laughs> so all these babies are black or half black. And Rachel feels a kinship to them that she never felt with her biological family. She says almost like a maternal feeling because she's the one raising them. Mm. 
And she's noticing things as they grow, like how her mom refers to them as a dang. Or how their favoritism seems to be correlated with the shade of their skin. Ezra, being the lightest, was the favorite among her parents and referred to him as the smart one. Zach was the darkest and was treated the worst. Also, not only were they treated differently amongst themselves as adopted children, but they are treated differently than how Rachel and Josh were treated. Rachel says when the parents had guests over, they would have the kids put on their church clothes and sing for the guests. And how they were disciplined was different. The parents couldn't use a paddle since they had visitations from social workers. So they started using glue sticks. They're trying to use a glue gun to hit the children. Sorry. A glue stick? A glue stick. Like, you know, the long glue stick that you put in a glue gun? Mm. Okay, now I get what you're saying. And while Rachel and Josh were only hit on the bottom, the four adoptive children were hit everywhere. The family sends out a newsletter as a way to get donations, and the photos they were used were when the kids were dirty from being outside. Of course. I have a question, and, and feel free to say, well, it might get answered later, or no, it doesn't. Do we hear anything from these siblings ever? It'll be answered later. That's all I need to goddamn know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's all I need to know. But it doesn't really clear up anything. God damn it. More <laughs> questions than answers. Well, will it, we, can we lead to our own conclusions? If you want. <laughs> you can follow them things if you want to. Okay. Rachel says she would get books from the library to tell her siblings about black culture and history. And she says she started to see the world through black eyes. Dang. Somebody hit her? <laughs> <laughs> She also did their hair and how she learned to do black hair is reading up on it and to see to see what to order and to looking at sports illustrator magazines and trying to copy the braids. Definitely them Allen Iverson (laughs) them Allen Iverson ones. (laughs) She gave the boys flat top fades and her sister Esther braids. Ruthann and Larry weren't fan of the braids since the Bible. First Peter chapter three, verse three says, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Fuck out so, of here, Ruthann. What was you doing to black hair? <laughs> yeah. So they weren't happy with the braids, but it soon changed when Ruthann thought it was an easier hairstyle. When Rachel leaves for college, she goes to Bellhaven and she sits with the black kids at lunch and joins... BSA, Black Student Association. And she's doing work around campus to help future Black kids, like making a course and petitioning to have MLK Day off. And this is also when she starts wearing box braids and dashikis and African head wraps. (laughs) She goes straight in there. (laughs) But she's not tanning yet. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) People are wondering, like, what are you? Are you mixed? Are you black? Or what What are you? Are you white? And she tries to give them the whole story of I was raised by white people, but I had four black siblings and blah, 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 everything I just told you. And they just don't want to hear her life story. So they're looking for a simple answer. Are you black? Are you white? But she doesn't really answer it. So she would also have a falling out with her parents around this time over money. She gets married to a black man named Kevin. 
and she claims his ideal woman was Nicole Kidman. He didn't want Rachel to wear braids and said she needed to act more white. He said, I married a white woman. I want you white. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Don't accept my blackness. And Rachel grew up in the in this strict Christian household, so she needs to listen to her husband. You know, in their order, it comes God first, then husband, then wife, then kids. Yeah, that bullshit. <laughs> Not in my household. <laughs> so she's back to looking white, but she does get into Howard University. And it's for her art. Rachel's a very good art artist. And Howard University, which is a historically black college. Mm -hmm. She's blacker than ever. She claims she was offered a scholarship and a TA spot. But when she got pregnant, since Kevin didn't allow birth control, the scholarship was rescinded. So she doesn't know how to pay for tuition, so she does sue for gender discrimination. Okay. And she claims her lawyer told her to also sue for race discrimination, just to broaden the scope. Oh, so so <laughs> as a white woman, though, suing the HBCU. Yes. For, for, okay. Okay. <laughs> Why would she, she do that? Oh, because she was, she's saying that they're discriminating against her because she's white now? Well, she's saying because she was oh. pregnant. Yeah, but her lawyer saying, hey, if you really want to stir up some shit, also say it's because you're white. Okay, okay. I, I've, I'm, I'm back on track now. <laughs> and this lawsuit would resurface after the scandal as a kind of, like, proof of that she's trying to scam people or specifically scam a black college which again you can ask yourself do i believe this woman because howard university is pretty much saying that didn't happen she wasn't offered a scholarship in a ta position which she did get the next year but i don't know it, that one's kind of murky and ezra her adopted brother said in an interview that she used to complain that professors would treat her differently because she was white he claims that howard university made her hate herself for being white and hate other whites. What year is this all happening in? Oh, so she's, this is... Definitely had to be late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, she's... I was just trying to see if it was a different time. If that would have happened to her, not saying that the professor would be right, but I'm saying like, if this was earlier, bef if this was years and years before now, where we are the blacks are free to do things i can understand why that professor was totally wrong but at first they made these colleges for blacks because they did not have them and here you are here i'm not saying that gives them the right to be discriminatory against her i'm just saying that's probably where why she got some attitude yeah, I mean, mm. we made this for us, and here you are, and thank you for appreciating our culture. Thank you for respecting how we do certain things, but this is, I mean, this is where we come to be safe. Yeah, and you know, white people at HBCUs, it's been a whole other big debate as well. Like, should should white people be a, a allowed to enroll, you know, and all that stuff versus, you know, the PWIs and all that, and... I mean, I definitely yeah. believe they should be allowed to enroll. I'm just saying that if this was just now beginning, like how how some people viewed Elvis going to Black Knights at the carnivals and parades. I mean, this is the time that we get to shine where we feel safe around our people. And 
we just want that. I get it. Yep. You don't know friend or foe who you're dealing with in the mist. Are they an ally or are they somebody there to just suck up the culture? And she was so privileged that she didn't meet a person of color for the first 10 years of her life. That does not happen for people of color. The first 10 seconds you have <laughs> met a white person. So, I mean, I can understand it from both sides. Yeah. So Josh would apologize for the molestation when they were kids while he was visiting, but he did notice Kevin was too controlling. Not letting Rachel leave the house without him, not having access to email or phone without him. And Josh is like, you should just divorce him. At this time, Josh has left the faith, but Rachel's still in it. Maybe that's why he's able to hopefully, you know, rid he he was able to rid himself of that behavior and apologize to his sister because he's not in that mindset that he was growing up. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe. Who knows? Hopefully. Shit. After four years of marriage, she does. And this time she rises as a phoenix, as a black woman. And she does. She rises. <laughs> okay. So she divorces him. She divorces Kevin. And then she goes back to the braids, the head wraps. Back and to now, black. And now she's tanning. Now she, oh, she's officially added tanning. Yes. She said, I'm done with Kevin. My last life, he don't know. And she also, at this time, lets go of those beliefs of religious beliefs and becomes more spiritual. And she says now that she's tanning, she's doing everything she can to be black. She's starting to get microaggressions of people wanting to touch her hair, commenting on her skin police officers be more rude to her. <laughs> Not you put on a black costume and now you you get discriminated against. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so Rachel would go on to her brother Isaiah when he was 16. She claims he was abused by the family and had scars on his back from Larry using a baboon whip with a rubber tip. I don't know what that the is. Fuck? So, uh, hold on, pause. I'm, let's look it up. Let's let see me, how sure inhumane. Sure, it's supposed to be baboon. Bat, baboon. That's embarrassing. It took me to spell baboon. You said I said spirit? images, bitch. Oh, if you look at images, it's Rachel Dolezal. Bitch, <laughs> <laughs> it sure enough did pop up. <laughs> <laughs> it just basically looks like a whip. Okay, yeah. so there we go. Some racist, weird-ass shit. Yeah, and Isaiah claims that they used it on all of the adoptive siblings except Ezra. And that came from Isaiah. Isaiah. All right, so that, that, that and that's what I was looking for earlier. That's all I need to know, okay? Damned how I feel about Rachel once we get to the end of this. Ruth Ann and Larry are some sick ass, trash ass motherfuckers. So Definitely. whether or not I agree with the stuff that Rachel does and did, her fucking upbringing and her fucking adopted siblings upbringing sounds fucking horrific. The fact that they did that shit and were allowed to under the guise of being helpful white people with land getting all those babies and abusing them like that and abusing their own children. Well, one child and favoring the other. 
forcing him to be abusive to his own sister. It's just so it's so sick and so disgusting. Yeah, I was thinking that earlier when um, she had to eat the oatmeal, and I'm thinking you're already treating one like this. Why would you go out and adopt another? And then you explain the thing about the land, and I'm like, oh, okay. But I wouldn't expect someone who they they, literally bought slaves, right? I wouldn't expect them to treat someone who was not made of their, you know, from from their relationship better than the kids that were. I mean, the last daughter, they had complications, and they're like, she's she's the worst child we ever had, and we're gonna treat her terrible. So Uh these people, I mean, they have no connection with these babies. Yeah. Mm -mm -mm. And her brother Ezra has denied these claims. (laughs) When you're sitting pretty as the (laughs) house Negro. (laughs) (laughs) What is Zachariah? He probably don't want to delve into his childhood or be seen as the bad guy. So, I mean... But if one sibling confirms it and you have Rachel speaking out saying it happened, that's all I need to know is that some sort of abuse, no matter how, you know, mild people would probably say to extremely cruel abuse happened in that house. No doubt about it. That's where colorism started. In their house. They made sure, yeah. <laughs> definitely had colorism all through that house. And I don't know if I said this. Um, she now refers to Isaiah as her son since she adopted him. Oh, okay. That's so now she, that helps her right there. Look it does that, help her. It helps her that she ha- <gasps> has Isaiah and she also has a half black baby. I didn't think about that part. Yes. Okay. That is true. That does help you cover story and get locked down. Yeah, and that's what a lot of people have said. Like, was she gathering these black family members, kind of like the Infinity Stones, like to make herself look black? <laughs> I can see it being um, definitely a dual purpose. She does care about her brother, and she does want to take care of him. I mean, she could have left him to fend for herself for another couple of years. Uh, but if Isaiah is saying that he was never treated wrong by Rachel, I can see her using them as, this is a great cover story, but also I want my brother safe. And if this is the only brother I can get, I'm going to take him. Also, around this time, Isaiah moved out of his parents' house because, like, everything was kind of, like, abuse. But also, he thought he was going to get shipped away because Zachariah, like, every time he would act up or, like, get in a fight with his brother, like siblings do. Uh-huh. Larry and Ruthann would call the police on him. and it's, Literally their children just calling the police on him? Um, Zach, specifically. Oh. And Esther, they ended up putting in like a rehab or it. it's referred to as like a ranch. Like, you know, those ranches they put people oh, in. Damn. So they were like shipping off their kids at this point and Isaiah was able to escape. Yeah, you've basically, you're becoming a problem. You are not worth it anymore. Let me just find, let's pick out whatever issue and get you shipped away. You got behavioral issues, bye. You're doing this, bye. That's crazy. And it sounds like after a while, the the CPS is just like, oh, well, they've been there for seven years. No incident. Let's just stop checking in. Because how are they beating them regularly? Because at first it was, oh, we're going to beat you with glue sticks so the the protective services when they come around you look fine but now they're getting whipped 
and the police are getting called and they're running away, but they are they are adopted. They're, they're putting it on the children. And if the children aren't admitting to the abuse and CPS isn't being real bloodhounds about it, of course it's gonna be undetected. Yeah. Um when Rachel was living in Idaho, she was teaching Africana studies at Eastern Washington University. She's and, in Idaho teaching Af Africana, is that what you said? Uh-huh. And she started to experience hate crimes. <laughs> she says a white supremacy group burglarized her home. Also in 2009, Rachel claimed someone left swastika stickers at her office, but no video footage was found at, about that. Rachel says a power outage calls the cameras not to record. In June 2010, Rachel claims a noose was found hanging in their carport in the home she was renting. The owner of the home says that rope had been there for three years when he hung up a deer. Uh, <laughs> Rachel was like, no, it was not there that morning when we came back, it was. And she's saying her sons are the ones finding this stuff, the noose. Okay. When Rachel moved to Spokane with her two sons, she became president of Spokane's NAACP's branch. While there, she claims to be receiving hate mail and 200 people come to show like solidarity outside of the office and bring attention to the situation and police investigate it and it's weird because the mail that she's getting the hate mail does not have any postal marks which it would have if it went through the post office and it is supposedly getting delivered right yeah mm -hmm. okay. also a package was left behind in a p.o box but only thing is Rachel was one of the only people who had the key to that P.O. box. So it's <sighs> like, are you sending these packages to yourself? Yeah. She probably yeah. was. I'm, but I I was, when you said she was experiencing hate crimes, it was kind of funny because if she just was her normal white self, these things would not happen. And I think most people around her know that she is white so they're they don't hate her who cares well around this time she has moved so she's around her family she has her two black kids yeah she ain't and, around the white people and she's kind of being she's letting people assume that she's black that's what she's saying she's not really saying she is she's not saying she's not she's just letting them assume she is it sounds fishy to me. It does sound fishy. I don't believe that she received hate mail. I do think it was a hoax. That's what I'm saying. Because the only reason... Okay, so if she's not... I don't know why I want to say the, the phrase. If she's not bringing the noise, <laughs> if she's not making any waves, why is all of a sudden this random woman named Rachel, this random and ambiguously colored woman... Uh, getting all this attention. She's getting hate mail. She's getting swastikas. She, she's getting a lot of anti-black shit sent to her. On and Netflix, there's a documentary called The Rachel Divide. And one of the women who worked at the end of our ACP office is like, why is this happening? Like, it's never happened before. Exactly. We've had way darker presidents than her. Like, why are they attacking <laughs> And that's her? what I'm saying. Like, in this case, I do believe this was all for optics to try to cement that I'm a Black woman getting discriminated against. This is her definitely pulling out some tricks. Because it doesn't make sense. Out of nowhere, you're a fresh new face. 
You're not doing anything different or bigger than anybody else. And, but now everywhere you go, there are threats and you need you need safety and you need people around you. And not only that, people around you that believe you in your story. She's building a fan base. She's building a support system. She's building believers. I think that's why this story is kind of so hard because it's like, did this any of this stuff happen to you? Because what are you lying about and what are you not lying about? Exactly. You like you feel for her in the beginning part because nobody should be treated like that as a child. But then you're you're getting older and you're like, nah, bitch, you gotta have some accountability for your issues of what you are the the dangerous this persona that you're leaning into. It's not even a, I don't it's a costume. Yeah, th this this thing that you're deciding to do. It's just, I don't know. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is a frustrating story, though, yeah. So, meanwhile, behind the scenes, Esther, the adoptive daughter, comes forward in 2013 and says that between 2001 and 2002, Josh would allegedly follow Esther into the restroom and force her to undress and touch his penis and he also had Esther perform oral sex two times and performed oral on her eight times. This was when Esther was six or seven and Josh would have been around 26. Oh my God. That nigga, he's trash as fuck. That's crazy. What? What? I can't believe I, I just said what I said back then. Erase that, edit it out. I ain't never said that <laughs> shit. Oh my God. 26. I do want to say Josh has denied all the allegations of course he would this is what i'm saying though when you have it, it, you want to believe people at all times but when you have more than one person telling a story about a sibling being a creep being a predator being abusive it just solidifies it even more and i 100 yeah. believe he did it because the parents are already treating them bad and if they're getting them at babies in six years if you're 20 when she arrives, you're 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 a grown man. You can see exactly how your parents are treating these children. So you feel like they're already treating them bad, and if I treat one bad, they're not going to I'm the star son. I'm I'm wonderful. They're not going to believe her. So of course he took advantage of he took advantage of his his own sister. Yeah, he's yeah. an adult. He knows the dynamics. He knows that he he obviously is old and smart enough to realize that he has a way that he can manipulate his parents, that he is not going to be seen as a problem or a bad child or the enemy in any such way to the point where these two women who were affected by him, who were essentially his sisters, didn't speak out for years. Or and one of them gets a half-ass apology. When Esther told Ruthann, Ruthann told her she was a liar. Oh, see, so that did ha Oh, see, yeah, exactly. A and, and of course. Ugh. So when she turns 18, she does end up moving in with Rachel. And she tells Rachel what happens, and Rachel believes her, and she tells her, you know, Josh was inappropriate with me too. And Ruthann has said Esther is mentally ill and being manipulated by Rachel, and that Esther was a liar. And Josh hires a private investigator to discredit Rachel and find things out about her. While Jeff Humphrey is looking her up for the hate crimes being mailed to her, 
he discovers she is white. The interview starts off about asking about the hate crimes, <gasps> and by oh, this time, he's questioning if it's true. He's poking holes in her theories, and then he hits her with, are you African-American? It's an almost nine-minute interview, and he's just poking holes through all of her allegations. So are but, you saying this guy was sent by her own brother? No, the news reporter was tipped off by, by the private investigator, investigator that was sent the, by her brother. Oh, okay. Well, I, yeah, but I guess because I was like, oh, shit, we just got full circle. So when the private investigator is like, you know, this is her parents' information, go find them. He does. They confirm she's white. So the man in the photo was just a man she had met and connected with and called dad. In her book, he's not even the only black guy she calls dad. She says it's a common thing in the black community to call someone uncle, cousin, grandma, dad, et cetera, as a term of endearment. That's hilarious. Not but dad, though. Not dad. Yeah, I thought that one's weird, too. Like brother, cousin. I call the stuff like that. Sis. If, if it's like a man like my mom's dating, it's, it's really mister. Or like a, a friend, then it's uncle or, you know, aunt. But it's yeah. never, I don't care how close we are, you're not my dad. Occasionally, <laughs> there are the, like, the one other person you will call your dad, which is, like, a close older man who's maybe, like, a friend of your, uh, or your father's friend, something like that. But no. I've never done it. But what I wanted to pause and say is that um, Josh 100% did that shit. <laughs> In your opinion. In my opinion, allegedly. You know why? Why in the world do you need to find out dirt on your sister? To, I, I get it. It's to discredit her. But that still does not prove that you didn't do it. Rachel also claims there was another private investigator um, about the hate crime situation. And then blew up her spot because it takes the, shine the spotlight off you. Exactly. And so this is why we have Ruth Ann and Larry on every freaking news network doing interviews saying she's not she's not black. We're her parents like, OK, you go on the Today Show. Cool. Done. <laughs> but why are you going to CNN? Why are you going to MS? Whatever. All the fucking letters. Mm -hmm. And it's like, is this to tell a truth to expose her as a liar or is this as a way to grow? one child on the bus to save the other she's already the center child from birth they hate her they they're <laughs> doing that with pleasure not even to save the older child they would do that whether there was allegations against him or not they hate her they hate her so much yeah they because the thing is it's probably the mother people i wish i could have known this so i could like watch the parents interview because I didn't I, I mean I, I probably assumed that they did at least one interview but I no, there's a million of them and not just them also Ezra and I believe Zach they don't say his name but that's the only brother I don't know god damn you won't have me do another ep excerpt next week because <laughs> I have to watch I have to watch one or two of these interviews from each of these people but I didn't know I could have assumed that Ruth Ann and Larry would have done interviews but not so many. And uh, I don't know if the interviewers asked questions like, well, why are you so estranged from your white daughter? Why does she not want to associate with you? How did this even come about? It was probably just primarily on Rachel and her lies. So, yes, it definitely brings out it was about the latter. 
protecting Josh by throwing Rachel under the bus because they didn't care about her pretending to be black before if they had found out or knew about this. It's yeah. only when it's now like, oh, Josh might be out for some of these crimes or a lawsuit or something might happen. Let's uh, put a flashlight in everybody's eyes and show how white Rachel is. Yeah. And I I didn't watch a lot of the interviews because I felt like they would be saying the same things. Mm -hmm. But at that time, you know, Rachel was a laughingstock. No one knew, even knew about this molestation case. Right. See, that's what I was thinking, too. It's like, I would understand if he was on CNN first, his scandal was there first, they went and said something, or he, his scandal popped up on the Today Show, and they went and said something. I had never heard of this man, and even when you see her, she's pictured being ridiculed alone. It's not like um, she's any mention of what her brother did. They're asking her why she's pretending to be black. It's not like, why are you pretending to be black? Oh, and do you have any comment on your brother's allegations? They don't like her. And even if they're being so pleasant, answering all the questions like, well, we don't know. I mean, they're taking their time. They're stopping the work in the fields. They're not signing no more adoption papers. They're jet setting <laughs> to say, my daughter is a liar. And also most of the parents of these people who create these crazy scandals, what do they do? They say one comment quote and they shut the hell up and go on about their day. They, they do not want to be known or identify with their quote unquote bad children. And these damn people are on a press tour. She's a liar. She's a liar. It I was mean, a press tour. Yes. I mean, who are you, Barack? You are not why are you <laughs> doing this. It's like, okay, she's a liar, but the parents, it just seems like it's over. It starts with the parents, basically. Yeah. We don't know nothing still. Right Before, now, we're talking about it. All this, I always found it weird how like hard the parents were going. It's like, I get one or two to get the story out there, but why are you pressing this so much? Mm. Yeah, they hate her. <laughs> they do not like that. Yeah, because it's so crazy. Like, I have never been a supporter of Rachel, but the fact that until this moment in time, I never knew that she got outed as being a fake because of her, because of the allegations uh, her and her sister levied against her brother is absolutely mind boggling that that out of these two stories, instead of them being both big ass headlines, they they buried the lead a little bit. I mean, yeah, this was big news. A woman imp uh, impersonating a black woman. I ain't gonna lie, this shit was crazy when it happened. But to not get so much of this, so many of the intricacies that led to it, it's crazy. Cause yeah, yeah. Twitter was lit up for ever on Rachel Dolezal's neck. Every time Rachel Dolezal does something, it still lights up. And yeah. I ain't never heard them talk about her family the way they talk about Rachel. Not once. Damn. So Rachel says it was all to discredit her from because she supported Esther. Um, Rachel resigns from being the president of Spokane's NAACP, which is an unpaid position. She was also dismissed from being a professor of Africana studies. And am I saying that right, Africana? African. <laughs> That's how I want to say it. Africana, yeah. Okay. I'm guessing. And Josh would later say. Why the whole you gotta thing. ask a black person how to pronounce it? 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> and Josh would later say the whole thing was because Rachel was after fame. As for Esther, the lawsuit, it was soon dismissed because Rachel was not credible. And it became a he said, she said with no evidence. That's fucked up. That didn't even make no sense, Josh. How did she get outed for fame? This bitch was trying to be black quietly. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess her, they hate crimes. No, I think she was just trying to submit her story. I don't think she was trying to get famous. I think she was a little stupid doing that, honestly. If uh-huh. you're already passing, let your dumb ass pass. But I don't think she did it for fame. I I think that you threw your sister under the bus so you didn't have to be uh, thrown under a big-ass motherfucker in prison. That's what I think, Josh. I think you were scared of getting pinned down yourself. In 2006, Rachel had cervical cancer or claimed she did. Her brother, Ezra, says he believes she faked it since she never mentioned it to him during the time and only mentioned it much later. And like I said earlier, the TP Rachel claims her family lived in, the parents say never existed. Rachel does have a photo of her brother standing up to the TP. So they was down there at that damn uh, TP exhibit. <laughs> <laughs> Someone who kind of came to defense of Rachel was Rihanna. <laughs> Come on, she... Nana, what's her name? <laughs> she said in a Vanity Fair interview, I think she was a bit of a hero because she kind of flipped on society a little bit. Is it such a horrible thing to be black? Black is great, I think. And I think she legit changed people's perspective a bit and woke people up. Which <laughs> I don't agree with, but I yeah. kind of understand what Rihanna's saying. I do too, but I think Rachel was, used, was using it more of a way to feel oppressed. Kind of like Munchausen, where people act like they're sick for attention. Mm. She's masquerading as a black woman because she... Because why else fake the hate crimes? Also in her book, besides the way she talks about about braids, it's all about oppression. Not saying that black people don't have to deal with oppression and microaggressions, but it seems that is all Rachel focuses on. Because she learned her hard struggles as a black woman from a book. (laughs) There was no real black experiences. So she probably read that there are hate crimes, so she's like, oh, hate crimes. That's how you you validate your blackness. I'm going to become the person who's getting hate crime. But that's not how it is. She just, she read the struggle. And that's why it, it came off super, super fake. Mm. I 100% agree with that. I also kind of think maybe her black siblings were the first people she kind of felt connected to for some reason. Yeah. Because they were beating her or molesting her or making fun of her for being a Jesus freak. And she had that maternal feeling. And then she's like, why can't I be like them? Why can't I be black? But that's just therapy head on. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's probably another reason why the parents were going so hard on her because, okay, she's a child. And I mean, unless you're just not watching them at all or it's just terrible, terrible. You're, you're seeing your child be in mud and come back darker and say she's an indigenous princess you're hearing these things because you guys are walking and picking berries so you decide to adopt some some darker children to save money and then you proceed to abuse them in front of her and show her exactly how dark people are treated by whites 
And then she leans even more into I'm black. I'm black. Marries the black man. Has a half black child. Now you're adopting our black kids that we hate and we also hate you. Like it's almost like that's why they were doing that. But she just tried to find a way like it, it can't be being black is a bunch of hate crimes. But being white got me to eat throw up and molested and neglected. So it might just be better to do that. Yeah. Um, in 2018, Rachel is charged with welfare fraud for hiding income. While her book, um, in full color, sold less than 600 copies, she still failed to report it as income. She also paints and bra braids hair for money, and all that was not reported. I died at the braiding hair for money. <laughs> I say you're going to be a kitchen hairstylist like the rest of these people. <laughs> In 2019, Rachel settles and agrees to pay back $8,847 and do 120 hours of community service. While her bio son and, a, and adoptive son do seem to stand by their mom in their documentary, it kind of shows them being over it. Like, why is it so important to her? Why can't she just say she's white? Mm -hmm. um, Rachel still sells her artwork and she has an OnlyFans where... It says you can see her working out or photos of her feet. I'm not sure if there is naked photos on there, but I... You should have paid so we could know. Well, no one's paying us. I ain't paying them. Um, but I remember seeing some leaks on Twitter, so... Also, another Rihanna kind of connection. <laughs> Rachel was like, she started OnlyFans because she wanted to show off her... What's Rihanna's brand? Lingerie. Savage Fenty? Yeah, she wants to show off the, that lingerie. Did she get a promo box or she bought it? I, I don't know. I didn't. I would die I if didn't look. Gave her a <laughs> promo box. And that's what I... So, I, well, I feel like what Rihanna was talking about and what Rachel did were... Had a little overlap, but not a lot. Yeah, I think I feel Rihanna like, was just trying to be positive. Yeah, Rihanna was trying to be positive, and she was also talking about how non-black people love to take uh, and absorb black culture. They they want to be oppressed sometimes. They 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 want to say the n word and all these mm. other stuff, but they still want to have the privilege that they have with their skin color. You know, but uh, Rihanna is saying this girl not only took the culture, she just she, she literally became it. So why the <laughs> fuck everybody want to be white? Why wouldn't you want to be black? Y'all always want to be black anyway. But with Rachel, I think Rachel, it's it's like it's like what both of you said. The black people were the only ones she cared for. Black people. She raised her black sisters and brother, brothers, or brothers and sister. She fell into a community community of black people when she joined BSA in college, and then when she was in Howard and all this other stuff. So she felt accepted by them, and not by the many white people in her life as she grew up. But then it it went from acceptance and love to attention seeking. Uh, I want to be. I, uh, I want you to to know that I am a black woman and that I am I do this for you guys and I'm being harmed and all this. It just went too far to it 
to like what you said, like that Munchausen's, you're doing stuff uh, for people to put eyes on you. I don't think yeah. it was for fame. I don't think she wanted to be famous. I think she wanted attention, though. Yeah, it's like she she crossed the line between being appreciative of the culture and being inappropriate with the culture. Yeah, there's nothing fucking wrong with being a white ally because when you decide to co-op or when you decide to put on the black costume you and, 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 and identify and say that you're a black woman, you are now taking opportunities away from black women actively instead of being an ally for all black people, period. And to be honest, when I thought about doing this episode, it was just a shit on Rachel, but... It ended up being the shit of Ruth Ann and Larry and a little of Rachel. And yeah, a lot of Josh. Josh, oh, her fucking Because at the center of this story terrible. was Esther, who came forward about her story. And from what I saw, she has not recanted. Also, I have not seen Isaiah recant his story. So with three of the six children claiming abuse, there had to be abuse. Yeah, it, it breaks my fucking heart that even though Rachel was doing wrong by claiming something that she was, because she was so easily discredited, the, the lawsuit doesn't go further. Even though I, with what you just said, there there is definitely some abuse happening in there. Like, that's just not fair. It's just not fair. And so Josh gets to still have his, from for, for, for whoever doesn't believe Rachel and whoever isn't in tuned in the whole story, he still gets to have a decent reputation. He's not yeah. marred by this except for people who get to know the story. And so that's the only reason why I would want this story to get bigger. And so... Uh, you know, we've already had the shit parades for Rachel. She's she's went through it many years. Let's transfer some of that to her brother next time she gets into the news. Let's see what he's doing lately. Let's see if Esther gonna uh, if it if it's it's not too late to uh, refile that suit. Um, Josh also had a book, I believe, before the scandal called "I'm a Motherfucker Who's Nasty as Fuck." <laughs> <laughs> it's called Down from the Mountaintop from Belief to Belonging. And I wasn't able to read it due to lack of time. But in the description, he says he grew up in a cult-like Christian family, which doesn't sound too good. Fucking belonging. You belong in hell. <laughs> <laughs> and he probably paints himself as the victim in most of that book. Because now, uh, it's, now it's cult-like. Well, you know how cult... I mean, we've had a cult episode before. When you're... Uh, when you're out of the cult, it was, man, that cult leader had me doing the craziest things. It was only what, just like the Nazis, I was only following orders. Okay. But <laughs> when he, when he had went and did his half apology to Rachel, he was somehow out of this. Right. But then he proceeded to shit on her the whole time. Well, yeah, the apology is from Rachel though. That's she saying he apologized. Oh, okay. So, can we might believe? not have. Yeah. Um, so I guess to end this, I, I just have a question. Is transracial a thing? Around this time of the scandal, everyone was comparing her to Caitlyn Jenner, who is a trans woman who we have covered. Oh, Lord. In um, 10, 20 years from now, are we going to be like transracial lives matter or something? Like, are we, is it going to be something that we look back upon? Or is, is it something that can't even be compared? 
I do not think it can be compared. I do not think it is a thing. I think people who like to make it a thing and then they pair it with, uh, you know, the trans issue of a transgender issue. I think it, 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 I think you should open your mind more and read more. And you can appreciate a culture. You can appreciate a race, ethnicity, a place, all that shit. You can be an ally. You can indulge. But no, you are the the essential race that you are. But I, I don't think you can change races. That's what it's implying. You can't do that. You can't do that. Yeah, and it's Changing kind many of things, but no, you're not changing your race. <laughs> when you're transracial, quote unquote transracial, it seems something that only white people or white passing people can do to, you know, make themselves look like a minority, a person of color. Because yes. there's no way that a black woman can go out there and pretend she's a white woman if you know if she's dark skinned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's been white passing black women before, but there's no way, let's say, Viola Davis can put on a blonde wig and exactly some lighter foundation. Anyone's gonna think, oh, she's a she's a white woman. And and to mention those white passing black women, for most of that was it was a different time. It was them mm-hmm. using that as a way to uh, move maneuver in the world without uh, fucking getting uh, beat, discriminated against, killed, and all that other stuff. And even doing that, acting as a white passing person could get them killed. So yeah. it's like different time, different place, and like you said, very impossible for most of black and brown people. You just can't change your race and still be expected to be accepted by the race you've changed into. Um, which is so funny because me and you have been planning this episode forever so we can get Trisha on. But now that we're recording it, another scandal has broke out about another woman I, I wonder race. if you're going to say anything about that. <laughs> Where every time I kept looking at Rachel Dolezal, um, this other woman kept popping up. I'm like, who is she? Like, why is she popping up? <laughs> it's just every article that she's in. It's like, the new Rachel Dolezal is out. <laughs> the new, new. Uh-huh. But yeah. that's our episode, unless you guys have anything else to add. I, The book did make me feel more sympathy towards Rachel, but I still think somewhere along the way, she got lost confused and I, yeah. I just don't understand why she she still can't let it go that's what i'm saying i i'd say up until like when she, you're 18 and 19 i give her all the grace she's a she's just learning how to move maneuver this world and she grew up in a shitty environment with terrible fucking people and she grew to be kind of a mother figure but everything after uh, you know after her enrolling in college those are tr- those are active choices you made it and you have to be held accountable for what you were doing you were pretending to be something that you weren't and reaping the benefits as well as um staging shit to make you look uh better and that's just not cool and that's not right no matter how you grew up that's just not right and if anything you should have not reported that income and you know got into some therapy (laughs) yeah yeah i don't like her or her family yeah there's 
no real besides maybe Esther and Isaiah, there's no real that that's the justice for, honestly. Yeah. We going up to Ruth Ann and Larry with pitchforks to not okay, maybe let me stop. <laughs> let me stop. I was saying a joke and then I thought, girl, lawsuits are easy to file. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's no way we're climbing those mountains. Hell no, <laughs> never. <laughs> but they just they and maybe they'll get their comeuppance, or maybe they already have to deal with what the fuck they've done. But yeah, though the the children, those adopted children, that's who deserve all the sympathy and empathy in the world. Yeah. Um, that's our episode. We do like to end every episode with some form of media we want to recommend, Ooh. discuss, explore, yeah. shit on. <laughs> It's funny, we don't have to read Trisha's today. No. So would you like to go first, Trisha, as the guest? Yeah, I'll go first. (sighs) Okay, so um, my media, and I just thought about this randomly because I'm like, I don't want to do another song. So I'm going to choose- Shit on me, why don't you? No. I know, she said that, I'm like, I'm changing mine. I was going I always do songs and songs and I and I have a really good song a okay. wonderful song that has that everybody loves now but I'm not going to do that but um, oh, you tell us your media and then tell us the song after yeah okay, okay so the media is going to be the movie for Christmases Oh. I know it's not Christmas time, but I love that movie. Vince Vaughn, Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon are so hilarious. And it really is Vince Vaughn's side that makes it like when they're playing. Um, Taboo. Yes, that game. And his brother and, and the wife are just getting all the answers right. And it's so funny. The baby throws up on Reese Witherspoon <laughs> and Vince Vaughn's about to, he's like, I can't be around it. Get that baby I'm out of here. Too. <laughs> I would do too. OMG, yes. I love, I just, I love that movie and how it ends where they're hiding the birth of their baby and the camera comes in and it's kind of right back to where they started. But yeah, that's, that's my media for Christmases. And what was your song? The yeah, song, what's the song everybody loves. It's obviously Beyonce, Cuff It. The remix. <laughs> yes, it is so. So I played that before we got on here because I'm like, that's going to be for everything. I mean, it's just for everything. Just playing it is just wonderful. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great song. It is so great. <laughs> so, so great. Yes. That's a great media. Uh, I love Four Christmases. Uh, saw it with you. Um, and then we've watched it together and separately many a time. Yeah. And I love Cuff It. How do you feel about her media? Sith? I do love Four Christmases because I love Reese Witherspoon. And I have not listened to the Cuff It remix. Oh my oh god. Okay. So behind the lines. I know. I was hoping you didn't ask me because I'm like, oh, I don't listen. I'm a big fan. They're gonna be on the hot. Broken the cardinal rule. What the hell's your problem? That's I, I told you I'm on my Taylor Swift phase right now. You are you sinister. Me and the problem is me. That's just you. That's you at home. That is me at home. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's a Taylor Swift song? 
Okay. All right. I I only you've been scrolling through TikTok like what the fuck is that? That's exactly the only place that I have ever heard that song, and I'm like, who who sings this? But okay, you know, I like Taylor Swift when when our song plays. Oh, she got me. Girl. I mean, because I'm always riding shotgun with my hair undone. Please don't play with me about that one. Girl, I'm always snaking out late, and I'm always tapping on your window. Oh, my goodness. And I and I just pulled out an old napkin, and I write down her song. <laughs> <laughs> Jose, you want to go next? Um, I can go. I, yeah, you go. Okay. So I'm doing something slightly different, but the same. So uh, my piece of media is a, it should, it's a, it's a particular song, but it's really about the group. The song is the uh, OJ's Forever Mine. It's a love song, of course, but it's really about the group, the OJ's, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say the OJ's are underappreciated. Uh, people who are probably like not even close to the, 30 or like, who the fuck are the OJs? Because I feel like people young and out, they just don't delve into old school R&B as much. But, you know, people know the Temptations and stuff like that, but the OJs are just as great. And they have so many fantastic hits that are just like known theme songs or jingles in movies. You got, uh, used to be my girl, you got uh, Money, Money, Money. That's not that name of that song, but you know what I mean. Uh, Love Train, and they're just backstabber. It's just OJs are a fantastic R&B group. Uh, they just have some of the best love songs. Forever Mine is one of my favorite. I didn't know uh, who sung it for the longest time until I was at work, and one of the cooks was playing it, and I had my sajam. <laughs> and I put it on, and it was Forever Mine by the OJs. I said, oh, shit, another one, of course. Oh, hey, stairway to Heaven. Like I said, the OJs are fantastic. They're a great group. And even if you don't know the OJs personally, I bet you you've heard a thousand and one of their samples, or you definitely heard them in a movie, or you've heard them at the start of a TV show. So. Mm. Yeah, I love that OJs Backstabbers. I finally downloaded it again right before the Bobby, Wo after the Bobby Womack episode. Mm. It's a classic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess it's time for my media. Yeah, stop stalling, big brawling. My media is the song Bid God by Florence and the Machine. And I don't, I just really love that song, but the video takes it to another level. It's just so. I don't even know how to describe it, like witchy. <laughs> like you just have to watch it. Like the dances they're doing, how they're moving. It, it's it's a little unsettling, but it's very like amazing to look at. She's been given witchy since she came on the scene, honestly. Yeah, but this was like heavy, heavy witchy. Okay. I love it. But the song is about pretty much she got ghosted and she just makes this whole beautiful song about it, saying, you know. They need a big doll to feel that love in them. And That's I, won't say, easy. I won't say any names, but I remember when that song came out, me and a certain co-host weren't really talking. And I used to listen to that song so angry and just be like, why didn't this bitch touch me back? 
but we moved on from then. <laughs> I have to know which era this was. We weren't talking. Was it because I told us we shouldn't talk? Is it that era? You didn't tell me anything. There was a no response. Uh, don't you all this yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> I would just listen. I would text you and I would listen to that song. Really? She needs a big god to hear herself because I know I ain't the problem. Okay, I was about to say then I definitely see you saying that. <laughs> is this just one lady? Florence no the machine, machine is it's a band, but she Florence Welch is the singer, the main person. Okay, okay. I was wondering who the machine was. It's the so band. You, you right. know, um, she's uh the dog days are over. I kiss with a fist. Yeah, Run no. fast for your mother, fast for your mother. That was my I've shit. I've never heard of this lady. You've never yeah. heard the dog that, well, uh, in high school, you were not really messing with the white music. No, not really. You were not. I, y'all, I had to bring Trisha to the white side. I told her, hey, we, <laughs> us black people, we make fantastic mu- music, but the whites got hits too. You yeah, know? definitely. Definitely. I did find that out through you. Yeah. Ain't that crazy? It's because you know I had to. I got bust out <laughs> when I when I started getting bust out to high school. I was just plugged into the scene. Yeah, I'm not, not- like, the biggest Florence fan, but there's always at least like one song on her albums that I just love. I told you. Well, maybe I didn't because I tell people stuff on the podcast, and I tell y'all stuff off the podcast. But her. Even though they're they're interesting, like you could say she doesn't sing good. I still love her uh, her covers on YouTube. I can't remember what channel, but she covers uh, "Take Care" by Drake, and she covers the Justin Bieber "Where Are You Now" song. And I fucking love those covers. Who does Florence and Machine? She does. Yes, I love both I of those. Look those up. You have yeah. to just tell me what you think. The take care one sounds interesting. That's what it, it's so. I'm telling you, give it a chance because I'm not gonna lie. The first minute, at least Trisha, I have to tell this too because Trisha <laughs> is known to give something 10 seconds and be like, fuck no. But you gotta give it a minute and then watch the whole thing and then see how you feel about it. If you still don't like it after watching the whole thing, I understand, but um, I love it. <laughs> okay. So those are the medias. Anybody want to mention anything else offhand? Tangent? I wonder what kind of music Rachel Dolezal listens to. Straight up Tupac. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> in, the documentary, in the documentary, she was wearing a bitty shirt. Hilarious. I was so thinking the about the real question is, does she say nigga or no? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Look, I was thinking about that scene in white chicks where they're on the way shopping and the, <laughs> the song comes on and you know they're singing it they're like okay next station and then the rap comes on mm-hmm. and marlon and his brother are back there <laughs> clowning and he's like well, no one's around exactly and like, oh, join in that's that's exactly what i picture her doing they knew them in words for show <laughs> oh yeah, that's why I want to know. Forget that. Does Rachel skip the N words in the song? Hmm. But you know, that's a question for another day. I'm gonna ask her. <laughs> DM her. Thank you guys so much for listening, and thank you, Trisha, for being here. If you want to reach out to us, it's save your sorry at gmail.com. It's save your sorry on Instagram. 
Mm -hmm. or Twitter is Save Your Sorry That Your is spelled you are. I think that's all of them. Yeah, and you hit if, them all. Yeah. If you want us to look at people's OnlyFans, you have to send us money. Otherwise, I'm just not doing it. Yeah, Cash App Save Your Sorry. <laughs> for how much stolen fans cost and we will dive in we will investigate so you don't have to <laughs> we will dive in <laughs> <laughs> it's been wonderful thank you guys so much bye see ya bye